You are listening to a Core Awareness Seminar by Liz Cook. Her website is www.coreawareness.com. That's C-O-R-E awareness.com. Please note that Core Awareness is a trademark signature of Liz Cook, her workshops, seminars, books, and CDs. The information presented in the seminar is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose of the seminar is to provide information and to simply educate. The author and publisher shall have neither liability nor responsibility to any person or entity with respect to any loss, damage, or injury caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly by the information, suggestions, explorations, or exercises contained within the seminar or written in response to the seminar. The author is not a medical authority, and she is not qualified to diagnose or prescribe any therapy. The information is simply her personal opinion. Please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have. Hi, everyone. This is Liz Cook at Core Awareness. And today I have um, my friend Alice Stewart to join me, and we're going to be talking about women's sexual health. One of the reasons I choose this topic is because I work with women all over the world who obviously have questions about their sexual health, and I've done some workshops on SOAS, and uh, I'm going to mute these people who have just joined us, welcome, um, who have issues around their psoas that also have issues around their sexual health. So this has been really fun to do these workshops in New York and in Australia. And Alice and I are going to be doing one uh, that's much more intimate as a retreat at Ojo Caliente in New Mexico, November 14th to 16th, which is a Monday through Wednesday. And that's a very special time to be able to actually join us and do some of the things that both of us are going to be talking about today. So the connection to uh, the psoas muscle is that uh, is specifically around two things. One is our nervous system, whether we're in sympathetic or parasympathetic, what our autonomic nervous system is doing, what our gut brain is doing, what our central nervous system is doing. So our, uh, the psoas is a, a messenger for our nervous system. And within that, it tells us a lot about location or how we land on the earth, how we are received in the uh, are received here on earth. And so the pelvis in particular, the skeletal system, how we land in our bellies, how we feel ourselves in our first and second and third chakra, is all about the psoas. So sexuality is part of the expression of the psoas, it's part of the full body orgasm. It uh, brings on that wave motion that we think of when we have a full body orgasm or an expression from the tip of your tail to the tip of your tongue. And so there's an intimacy in uh, the psoas in relationship to whether we are afraid, whether we're frozen, or whether we're expressive and orgasmic. But whether 
it's the beginning stages of our sexuality or our later years in sexuality. There's some wonderful self-care and support that we all can reach out for. And certainly women who go through pregnancy and birth, women who are athletic, who have injured their pelvises, women who are uh, hypermobile and have a laxicity in their ligaments, which allows them to be very flexible, but not necessarily well balanced in the sense of the integrity of their, um, their skeletal system. All of these things play a part in what the psoas messages. So rather than think the psoas is the issue, the problem, we go have it fixed, I'm trying to build a repertoire of way of looking at understanding all the other things you can do that the psoas will then let down because it's no longer being called for to help stabilize, to help organize, to help give you a sense or to send the message that you are not coherent. So the incoherency is a term that I use as a way of understanding the resiliency of your own nervous system. And when we have disruption somewhere in our skeletal core or our, or our nervous system, we can feel very uh, disorganized. We can feel a little ungrounded. So I've invited Alice here because Alice is one of the most rounded women I know. She lives here in Kansas. She's a Kansas woman, and she's a wise woman in her village um, here in Lawrence. Alice is a body worker. She does massage, and she really helps people uh, work with their awareness and a sense of wholeness, and she uses uh, a variety of different ways. One of them is functional movement. Um, She's taught yoga for many years. And so over her 25 years as a healer, she's worked with also various um, indigenous cultures, learning the native wisdom traditions and the rituals and the plant medicine. And you can read more about her online, but I'm going to introduce her now. So welcome, Alice, for being with me. Hello. Thanks for inviting me, Liz. Yeah. I'm very excited about this topic. So I'd like to begin with... Some of your, um, let's start with the pelvis. What, to you, I, I know you do a lot with balancing the pelvis for women in every stage of their sexual life. So tell us more about that. What do you think are the key points? The simple, we were talking about keeping it simple. Knowing your pelvis. Knowing that there's an iliac crest, an issue, a pubic synthesis, a sacrum, and a coccyx. Once you know these bones, you can start to rebalance your own pelvis. But then you have to find your feet, too. There's the, the diaphragm of your feet, the diaphragm of your pelvic floor, your diaphragm, and the diaphragm of your palate. And once you reconnect or connect with these, you can start finding balance in your pelvis. And so I have ways to show you whether you're sitting, standing, or lying on your back how you can get into your bony structure and start rebalancing your pelvis. And one of the things that you particularly know a lot about is your own pelvis, which you have, uh, you're a very flexible person, you're a very strong person, but you've also had some hypermobility in your pelvis that you've worked with over the years and you've come to find some really good 
cues for how to do that. And then you bring in the one piece I just love, which is working from the inside out. So tell me more about that. Well, I worked for years with my glutes because I felt that it helped stabilize me, but it wasn't quite, it wasn't addressing everything. And it was actually, I was getting too tight developing my external muscles. And so there was a fine line of being too flexible, too tight, because I was misaligned in my hypermobility. And so I started working from the inside out, vaginally. And so as I strengthened my pelvic floor, as I strengthened my glutes, they met. The inside met the outside and created stability. I also needed, I'm a neurofascial therapist, and I did need some more nerve work because where I had collapsed, those nerves weren't firing. And so just doing gluteal work wasn't enough for me. So with neurofascial work and a glute workout, keeping my legs strong and underneath me and my arches open really started making a difference. And so between having my diaphragms and my feet, my arches, and the strength of my pelvic floor, things really started to change for me. That's really exciting. And um, some of the conversations we've had around hypermobility is um, also associated for women who have just given birth and what happens for, for women who might due to posture or positioning, end up with some overstretched ligaments. So this works for them as well. Right. And when we, well, if, I mean, if you have a vaginal birth, you have blown your floor out. And so as we age, if we don't have the strength in our floor, we don't have strength in our hips, everything starts collapsing on itself. Right. And I'm going to change that word floor because there are no floors in the human organism. And I know that's the technical term people use as a pelvic floor. But the hammock, yes. I think that's an important piece to add is because the hammock, or uh, I like to call them just diaphragms, that whole idea that you have a diaphragm. And when you think of a trampoline or a diaphragm, it has resiliency in both directions. So that also plays a big part in sexual health because this diaphragm that we call the pelvic floor isn't about just strengthening it as a rigid floor, it's about its resiliency. So talk to me about resiliency well, there, the pelvic floor. There are two levels of the pelvic floor. Okay. There's the superficial, which we all know that part, but then there's a hammock underneath the superficial. Okay. So once you understand that there's this diamond down there and how you, from your ischium, your femurs, from your pubic bone to your coccyx, and from your femur, from one sixth bone to the other, there's a diamond. And once you can find this diamond, you find the bony structure, then you turn on the muscle, the superficial muscle. Then you can go into the second layer and start lifting everything up like an elevator. That's lovely. But like an elevator, let's talk about organic structure. So an organic structure is brings us to this concept that you learned, I believe, you said from Mary Bond, called sipping. Yes. No elevator sip. No so elevator sip. Well, she showed me how to read 
balance my pelvis with balls and then introduce this concept of skipping. And you've worked with this concept on your own now. Yes. And so I started sipping vaginally. I felt like my uterine walls were just dropping, like a curtain had just, the final scene of a show and the curtains had dropped. And so I actually took the sipping piece and started drawing the muscles upward. I'm a yogini. I've been taught the bandhas, but not in any real depth. So I had to really look for a deeper understanding of the bandhas. And so, or Kegel. A Kegel is a more superficial working that first layer. But to sip, you go up through all the layers. Yes, I love the concept. So whether you're sipping in life or sipping in a lover, this is our health. This is our birthright. This is our foundation. And you need a strong pelvic. A longing. A longing. A longing. A longing. And that's part of sipping. So um, uh, you have played with different tools to sip with because one of the things we recognize is you may have a lover and you may have someone to, to sip in, but maybe you don't have a lover. So what are some of the tools that you have played with or you recommend when and maybe start this concept? How would they even begin? To inhale, sip up from your vagina. Exhale from your cervix. You just create a relationship by inhaling all the way up towards your belly button. Exhale from the cervix. So that gives you, that starts the connection. Then you can get geisha beads. And you can work with sipping the bead. And so you're sipping upward and exhale releasing, and you get to the point where you just start on that superficial layer. Then you take the bead in and you're sipping. But then you start working to where you sip and then pull. Sip and pull. So you can activate those muscles. So when you mean pull, are you physically pulling, pulling on the, the bead? On the, on the bead. string. You're pulling on the string. So you're creating resistance. Resistance. And that's what we don't have. Mm-hmm. when you're hypermobile. So between resistance bands and using either a geisha bead or an egg, I started sipping and pulling, sipping and pulling, and then you start taking the bead or the egg in deeper. And so you're working the muscles all the way. You're waking up that all tissue. All the muscles that have, yes. Yeah, you're wa- waking up tissue. And many women are very dry. So one of the things that you uh, gave me a suggestion about dryness that um, I explored and I, just, I think it's brilliant is the peeled cucumber. The peeled cucumber. Because it's a cooling, it's, it's gelatinous, it's hydrating, and it's fun. It is fun. It's got a bunch of right size. You do. English cucumbers are the best. Yes, English cucumbers. And, and they're all longer, so you have more grip, you have more access to, to play with the sipping and to hydrate that tissue internally. Right. And it's a good, it's a cleanse, too, to take that in there 
and cleanse your yes, your vaginal walls. Wall. And they're not walls again. So we're using these old metaphors that we need to recognize we're a living organism. We're not a house. And so we're not talking about walls. We're not talking about floors. We're not static. Kind of our house, though, isn't it? It, it is our home. <laughs> that is our true. room. Is the home. It is. It's our private room. But one of the things I noticed was that you can also add something uh, such as castor oil around the cucumber because if you're very dry, the castor oil, bringing it inside, will also help penetrate right. the layers of tissue of the skin, of the inner wall of the vaginal. And you can regain through this idea of sipping. Mm -hmm. And I use the sipping through the O-ring muscles of the mouth so you get all the O-rings You're going to interact. one way and I'm sipping the other. Yes, filter. and so you're interacting with both directions. So you can begin with the lips with a straw or even your little pinky finger between your lips. Touches it. So using something helps better than just imagery. So the actual sensation of the lips on something where you're drawing it in until you feel it in your vaginal canal. So you're sipping and in your uh, anal canal. Mm -hmm. So you can differentiate anal versus vaginal canal and the ability for that tissue to be gaining its uh, supple hydration again. Well, knowing all the, the muscles of the hammock is going to help with that also. That you're like, work, everything is being juiced up yes. as you're sipping. Yes. And with the cucumber, you can start to twirl the cucumber. And so it's like you're exercising the vaginal wall through, even if it's just pretending or your imagination, that you're twirling mm -hmm. the cucumber. Mm -hmm. But also start at the opening and you slowly start to sip. So you can hang out maybe a half an inch in, dip there, go in a little deeper, dip from there, go in a little deeper. And you just keep working your way up and just keep dipping. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a big fan of nettles also. Tell us about why. I think singing nettles keeps you juicy. Okay, drinking it? Drinking it. Okay. You know, drinking a cup or two a day. And then well, it's, it's so rich in, in minerals. And minerals are housed in the water element of Chinese Berries, so you're and right in that. Kidneys? It's for the kidneys. kidneys. It's for the hydration of the body. Right. Nice. So I, I just, I look at it from every direction we can enter. Yeah. To, um, to better know ourselves, to embody ourselves, to satisfy ourselves. Absolutely. So let's look at um, some other things. We're, we're looking at. Um, I think I want to stick with, with drying at the moment is the ways that, because I see that when these O-ring muscles, or what we call the sphincter muscles, um, that lose their resiliency, that we seem to be aging. But So for instance, we lose our eyesight, we lose our lips, we lose our digestion, we lose our sexual health, we, we become constipated. Uh, we lose our bladder. Those are all O-rings. So part of sipping and part of hydration is to regain, uh, kind of if you think of your O-rings like an inner caterpillar, how to get them to be more resilient is that movement, the oscillation is what I'm talking about. So along with these diaphragms, and we're going to talk about how to hydrate through the diaphragm, 
We're also looking at getting our O-rings activated, and we just talked about ways to do that with the sipping, using things both in the mouth and playing also. I mean, that's why kissing is so erotic. It's because the palate of the mouth and the O oh, are connected to the vaginal. Well, when you strengthen your vaginal wall, your floor, the vaginal wall, you actually, your mouth starts to change. Yeah. The muscles because it's the other end of it. Yes. And so once you strengthen and tone one end, the other side starts to join in. Right. And you can work from either end at various times uh, to explore both ends of those O-rings. So one day I realized that that's what we call aging, but that's not aging, that's drying. So we're drying out. And so when we're looking at uh, sexual health after a certain age, what we're really seeing is dryness. The thinning is dryness. It's a lack of resiliency in tissue. It's a lack of hydration. So tell me more about how you work with older women, getting the, or young women who are too dry. You've, got, you've talked about nettles. You've talked about the, the uh, sipping concept. And I, I think massaging yourself, okay. exploring all of you, and so I also, between some body butters and giving yourself a nice massage, and I think that in itself will start to hydrate you from the inside. But I'm, I'm a big fan of vaginal steams, too. Tell us about vaginal steams. That's a pussy sweats, as they're known in some places in the world. I learned uh, vaginal steams from the Mayans, and they also taught me uterine massage, and that also is another self-care technique. And so you go out and pick herbs from your garden and you give thanks to every plant that you pick, rosemary, basil, roses, whatever you have in the yard. And you make yourself a nice tea and you sit on it. Sit, you make sure that you have the rim covered. <laughs> you squat over it. And so it's bringing in steam. Yeah, and steam hydrate. Yes. Yes. And it also detoxifies. Yes. So I'm a so, big fan of that. So too. without prescribing, give us some of your favorite herbs. What are the ones that you particularly like for vaginal steams? Rue, basil, the roses, um, rose, mar rose, rose petals, rose petals uh, marigold, mm. Mm. calendula, I would say, flower petals. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And can you do this in the winter and the at home, um, yeah. going if you live in the city and there is no herb garden in your backyard, where you, can you go, go to the herb store you and you would buy store, and you can do dry, dry if that's dry. all you have, right? Right. But you uh, make like a tea. Then you make it. a tea and then you squat over it and mm -hmm. put a sheet around you so the steam just goes up. Mm -hmm. You know, an old lawn chair works too. Yeah, you cut a hole in yeah. it. You sit on it. You put the uh, yeah. And I use below. the porta potties that old porta potties and just take the bottom out and put a... Uh, um, so you can sit comfortably yeah. and then you have this opening that <laughs> yeah. allows that whole tissue to be hydrated. Mm -hmm. I would imagine it's also helpful for scar tissue for women who have torn vaginally or scar tissue from uh, any kind of injury to their pelvis. Let's talk about scar tissue a little bit because that interrupts so much. I think the castor oil that mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, I just recently heard Wheat germ was really good internally. The oil, yes. But for scarring, castor oil. Yes. And just rubbing it on there. We have to take charge, and it's okay to touch ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
scar tissue for uh, the whole belly, too. And let's talk about scar tissue just a little bit because for people who have had cesareans or have had abdominal surgery, they don't often make the connection, or a hysterectomy, for example, the connection that scar tissue is going to be felt everywhere in their body. For example, um, it was, it was a, I was surprised to hear, but then I found out pretty much across the board, if you've had a hysterectomy, you'll have right shoulder issues. And so it's like, so let's talk a little bit about connective tissue and what scar tissue does to interrupt our neurology and our organ functioning and all of that. Well, the adhesion starts drawing other organs and tissue into that adhesion. And so it's learning how to clean up the adhesion and doing abdominal massages. And I do visceral work. And you can also do your own organs just to be able to go inside and keep everything so if you were going to kind of self-massage your organs, give us just, you know, maybe a, a beginning, like how would someone even begin? What does that mean? Where are they beginning? They put their hand on their belly. I do this at night before bed. My knees are bent, and I place my hand on my belly with my fingertips right above my pubic bone. And you just kind of sink in. And then you just slowly start dragging the tissue up towards your belly button. Mm. And so we prolapse, right? You have your uterus, you have your bladder, uterus, and your colon, your rectum, all in one area. And just by sitting with your knees, laying with your knees bent, and about 10 strokes from your pubic bone to your belly button, and then you go from your right um, well, it's like a well, you or ilium, ilium yeah. and then once again start just scooping. And so a lot of times it the the uterus is just a little misbal little off in balance. And right. we just want to go in there, and it's great for your intestines. You're creating movement, right? And movement is the medicine. Right. Yeah. And it's micro-movement. We're not talking about pushing deep in. We're talking about this kind of gentle scooping, this gentle kind lifting, of lifting, nurturing, nurturing it. it. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, the, the issue around um, the uterus you, is that it's a star-shaped, uh, it's an organ that sits like a star shape in the sense of its ligament. So it really is the center of a woman's universe. universe. Yeah. And so, you know, Many doctors will tell women, oh, well, you don't need it. You're over childbearing years. Let's remove this. But I, I discourage women from having their uterus removed for no reason that's a, a survival reason because it is so important, not only the scar tissue, but also this universe. And I think an organ speaks to you for the rest of your life, whether it's producing babies or holding babies or growing babies. It's growing wisdom. Right. So I, I wanted to uh, go from here to the idea of um, not only you talked about prolapse, which is so important, but I know I just want to touch on fibroids and the different growths that uteruses are now struggling with. Can we talk a little bit about your approach to that and what you recommend for women who are figuring all that out? Because I know you have actually dissolved your fibroids that Years ago, right? Years ago. With castor oil, Edgar Casey's ah. method with uh, flannel sheet castor oil, the heating pad yeah. over my abdomen. 
Wow, and that's dissolved. dissolved it. And you probably did things nutritionally and herbally and, and visualizing. visualizing. Visualizing a rainbow around my, stitching a rainbow around my uterus. Uh-huh. It's like it was my opening or my opportunity to really start to get to know my uterus. Yeah. And so I think when things happen to us, they also can be a gift that our body is just telling us we need to participate a little more. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was part of why I was really drawn to the Mayans because there were 32 conditions that we have in the U.S. that they were just removing uteruses. And there they just rebalance it, and they have a uterine self-massage that's going to work your whole abdomen. And it's part of your gut brain, too. Not yeah, you got your uterus, right. you got your gut brain and there's so much going on there yeah yeah and you've got your psoas and and when surgery happens a lot of times that connective tissue ends up adhering like you said to organs and to the psoas and so there's a multiplication of problems Problems. that happen afterwards that can be and our story whatever our stories yeah yeah the story okay so how are we doing we're doing great so um, I want to, like, let's talk a little bit about, uh, before we leave the pelvis, to activating the hip sockets because along with these, and, and the, the concept of diaphragms meaning let's start at the feet. So how do, one of the things we see with a healthy pelvis is that people sit on their cyst bones and that their ball and socket joints move. But I'm seeing more and more people who don't sit on their cyst bones and their ball and socket joints don't move, young and old. They are not actually rotating, and the foot isn't, the ankle isn't sliding, and the foot isn't landing. So, so when we think of sexual health, we actually have to think of our legs and the connection to ground and earth. So what are your simple techniques, thoughts, uh, suggestions for starting I, that conversation? I use balls to open up my feet, mm-hmm. and you can do the smashing, or you can just hang out and actually feel, mm-hmm. feel the connection from your foot to your hip socket, yes. to your psoas. We have to slow down. Right. We're in a hurry, and so I really like doing slower internal work. So if you open up the feet and then get the ankles to glide, because if your ankles aren't gliding, your hip socket is not working, functioning properly. And so I found that if I open the feet up, get the ankles to glide, and then I start this figure eight. People don't have gait anymore. And when your hip socket was created, there is this churning that happened in the hip socket. And it's a little figure eight. That stops. It's not supposed to stop. But it has stopped for many people. Who sit at office chairs right. a lot, who sit at funky chairs in their cars. Yeah, so a lot of it's ergonomics as well as just lack of motion. And so I just think if you can tap, it's all about consciousness. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> so is. That's why I call my work core awareness. Yes, and I so agree. So I think learning to sense again, slowing down enough to the sensation. We were talking about rhythm. And, you know, whether it's in your gait, or whether it's in your life, there's a rhythm to life that thematically is much, soma is much slower than the way the electrical world 
we're living in. Electronic world works in. So you really do have to slow down to actually sense yourself. I think sense life. You need to stop and just do the parasympathetic. You mm -hmm. go inside. Well, like I said, whether you're lying on your back, and I have a little routine, so you can really become more aware of what a gate really is. That your femur is supposed to externally rotate with the front leg, it internally rotates to the back. And then when you change, it it goes in and out. So there's and movement in the ball and socket with all movement. And there is with this supple psoas. So when the psoas is juicy and supple and dynamic, that pendulum motion of the psoas just helps. It doesn't carry the leg, but it helps express that movement. And the ball and socket joint is free to have rotational movement. Sometimes there's just too much buildup in hip flexors. Uh -huh. Because yes. the gait is off, and so they use the external muscles to get the right, from. and so they lock down into that pattern. You can be hypermobile and still be locked down into a pattern. Mm -hmm. And so if if the pelvis, if the ankles are gliding, the pelvis is moving, the knees are tracking, and then your thoracics are also moving, and your jaw, yeah, right, right, yeah. So everything is working the way it was designed. And so that's what's beautiful about embryology, is understanding how we actually develop. And for some people, some of those things didn't develop fully, but you can go in and recreate some of that for, it. Yeah. for them. Yeah, that's great. And you know, they, they actually, I've, I've heard, and I, uh, and I think it's an interesting concept, that sometimes the development of the ball and socket joint you're talking about in utero is because the mother doesn't move. Right. And so if mom doesn't move, if her hips don't move, if she's baby not, she doesn't, the baby doesn't get that information. So women who are sitting all day at an office job, you know, that's, it's counterproductive to the development. And so you're going to have to really balance that in your lifestyle of taking walks. It doesn't mean you get on a, you get on a, a some kind of machine, an exercise machine. It means you walk a lot. Like the walking is how you're it. tracking. How yes. is your body actually moving? Yes. And so you can't really use. I find machinery gets in the way of that somatic awareness. It's moving too fast. So goal driven is goal driven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the slowing down, the hydration the calming, the parasympathetic, these gentle little hydrating movements that anyone can do, especially even in bed or first thing in the morning. So a lot of these things can be done as part of your relaxation. It doesn't have to be something extra you add. It's something you just pay attention to. Yeah, I think it's really good to start the day with a little ritual of, you know, oscillating the spine, doing your con constructive rest, letting the psoas get ready for the day, realigning your pelvis with some, some um, movement, and then oscillating the spine. And then you slowly wake up the nervous system. Then you get up for your day. Instead of just jumping out of bed, I, I the alarm goes off. Right. I'm just a big fan of rituals and, you know, how we can do loving acts the entire day. Yes. When we wake up, connect with breath, movement, rebalance yourself, get on with your day, you might need to take a break in the middle of the day, depending on your work, your lifestyle, and go into constructive rest and do it again. And I have a way of breathing through all the diaphragms. And so you can reset everything and then go back into your world. 
and then do something again before you go to bed. If Can anything, you describe a little bit of that? Like how would they begin to reset diaphragms? How would you do that? I have my ways. I, I lay on my back. There's the diaphragm of your feet, the floor, the diaphragm, and the roof of the mouth. And so what I do is your feet are soft on the earth, but you're really aware of the texture underneath your feet. And so feet are soft. Inhale, belly expands, diaphragm drops. The lower back arches just a little bit. It's just a motion as you're expanding. And you gaze up into your crown. You exhale. You push into the floor. Belly empties as it escorts your diaphragm back up. You gaze behind your eyelids. So you are taking your body into flexion and extension in a very, very sweet way, and it starts kicking in all the diaphragm, your circulatory system, your respiration. You have just massaged your bony structure just by breathing this way. You have turned everything on. And I'm a big fan of that. It's turning everything on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Waking up. So waking up. Yeah. Exactly. So um, the next thing I want to kind of get you to talking about is um, as a massage therapist, we, we were just talking about sometimes getting help. Um, you know, there's lots of self-help. Where do you think it's important for people to, women, to start reaching out uh, for help as well? Well, I, I think knowing yourself is, is huge, but I really couldn't have done this journey without, I have an amazing trainer. I've worked with, you know, Bonnie Bainbridge and Charles Neesom and John Martin. And I think anyone that has studied with any of these practitioners are really they're, they're special beings that seek out these these teachers. And I just think sometimes we need some neural work. We need some cranial work. You know, we need to get the dura, the whole system kicked in because it's a little out of sync, whether it's, there's no coherency. And it's a journey of finding coherency. So I, I have found it very effective getting neurofascial work for myself and working with my trainer where I got some ideas, and then you can start doing your own thing. And then, but I think checkups are good. I think I think the trainer piece is, you know, people. I do a lot of fluid movement work, and people are always kind of make an assumption it's one or the other. And I don't think so. I think the hydration, the the fluid hydrating the psoas is so important. And then the very functional work of simple things like a box squat can be so powerful to your skeletal core. And having a trainer, especially if you're hypermobile, can help you stay out of uh, eyes watching you. Eyes, yes. Doing, you know, eyes watching you can help look at alignment because those are some of the things that when your proprioception, which is your internal capacity to sense yourself, is interrupted some, you can get lost. You, cannot, you think you're doing one thing, but you're really doing something else, and a trainer can help you refine that, and then you can slow down if you work with the right trainer mm-hmm. and actually sense what it senses like when you're working skeletally aligned. And that then allows the muscles, because otherwise a trainer, so I want to kind of define trainer a little more well, about your vision. Like you're working with a good one. Why? Why is he particularly good for because you? he listens to me. 
Yeah. One of the yeah. That's a huge piece. Right. And, and I just think that he's open-minded and he's not trying to fit me into a system. Yeah. I don't do well with systems because there's too much repetition. Yeah. I need variety. Repetition will just throw me into another pattern. And I think we all have patterns. And so that's why I'm encouraging all the different modalities because they are, they are working with repatterning you. And then you do the self-care work. I'm not saying you have to do these people every day but I think it's, or every week, but I think it's good to check in at first because it's a journey about you getting to know yourself. And each practitioner is going to take you on a journey. So we've worked with um, uh, the ability to be sexually responsive. And part of sexual responsiveness is the ability for this fluid system, what I call um, the juicy psoas, to be able to really be expressive, which means you're not in a fight or flight response. So to have a full body orgasm, you have to be in a parasympathetic state. You have to be available. You have to be uh, open. You have to, you know, so fear and, and orgasm are expressed both in the psoas. It's so fascinating to me and in the same nervous system. But it has to do with this resilience, this availability. So as we're starting to explore that, I always believe you take health into your own hands first. But as you partner up with someone, that creates complexity. It com creates complexity in the sexual being, in the sexual expression. And you and I had one of the most amazing conversations that I want to share here just briefly, is that we talked about lovers, and we talked about sipping, and we talked about the ability to sip in uh, a man's penis and a man who is willing to allow that. And you made me aware of men who have also issues with their pelvic floors and their pelvis and where they might have impingement in this tissue that drives them sexually. And when I've told women this in my workshops, I have women come up afterwards and go, oh my God, that's my husband. Oh my God, that's my lover. They were a football player and all they know how to do is ram friction, friction, create friction. So I want to go there because I think this is new territory for women to recognize that orgasmic response is not only them, it's their lover, and their lover may have issues going on. So tell me a little bit about this pelvic impingement and what it does to a man's penis in response to their woman. I think they lose sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And so it just becomes this friction-based activity, a goal-oriented activity. And that's why the sipping is so beautiful for me because it's just like you're sipping in your lover, but your lover has to slow down. Mm -hmm. And so you can use him like the tools I had mentioned earlier. But to slowly enter you to where he creates more sensation for himself. You create more sensation. So you're really doing this together. You're having an exploration because I think it's another ha habitual thing that starts to happen. And then it's just like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. And so, and, and it's not always fun. And, you know, but it's just 
what we're supposed to do. Well, you know, you notice that. I don't know if anyone's noticing this, but I've not. noticed over the years, not <laughs> I've noticed over the years that movies, it's kind of like birth. You know, birth, the woman's always screaming and, and you know, terrified. And um, and now love is like really fast paced. They can't, you know, they're always hitting up against the walls, throwing I things, ripping their clothes off. Really done a number to. Something is serious. Like wait a minute, that's not love making. You know, that's not even right. fashion necessarily. That's like desperation or something. Like I I really interpret this rushed sexual response. Well, I'm a I'm a tantrika, right? And I'm I'm about more sensation, right? It's, it's all so many layers of touch. It's not just one desensitized you touch. Right. There's layers in who we are. Yeah. There's smell. There's taste. There's so many pieces to who we are, and we just need to slow down in our hurried world. So you've worked with some men who have had what we call pelvic floor impingement or what we defined, although the men told us not to use this term, the hypertonic penis. And as one friend said, and who wouldn't want a hypertonic penis? So that's why we changed it to nerve impingement. But what really happens is the pelvic floor of the man has some impingement. impingement they can't feel. They can't feel, but they also have a lot of sensation then in their penis. And so they're driven right. to look for that gratification because they're not. it's not like a sexual relationship is enough. It's like as soon as that's done, it's like I want more. They don't know how to be satisfied, and that's part of, I think, my yogic path in tantric. It's about being satisfied with everything in life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when there's impingement happening, there's like no satisfaction for anybody. Nobody's satisfied. But we found out that some of that comes from maybe like falls or like right. kicks in the butt, like right. sports or accidents that happen to men that also drive them forward in space rather than... Your feet are like fans. They have to fan open. And if your feet don't fan open, your pelvic floor is not going to fan open. And if your pelvic floor is really... <laughs> I don't know where this is going. We can look at all the men's feet. <laughs> so if the feet aren't fanned, back away. It's not opening up, right? And so it's tight. And so that obturator that feeds the floor for men and women, if that's not clear, the pudendal and the obturator, those two nerves down there, if they're cleaned up, everything can be fed. And I think then there's satisfaction, there's sensation. Yeah, there's a deeper, deeper level of relaxation. So it's not a driven... We were defining the difference between what we were calling uh, uh, making love or having sex or uh, to uh, intercourse to to fucking the 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 pulsation of forward movement lasted if the man is driven and I've never heard anyone talk about this so a lot of women it's like well gosh I'm going through menopause I mean this is literally what I've been described I'm starting to go through menopause I can't handle that abrasion anymore right. I'm I'm needing to hydrate myself I'm needing slow down. I want to slow down. I want it to be more love-making. It's, it's not this just driven, driven movement, and yet now my husband is feeling dissatisfied with me because I'm not willing to take yeah. it anymore. Yeah, my tissue doesn't want it. It doesn't feel good. So, any advice for, for this well, dynamic? I, I, what do you reckon? I feel like when we learn to sit, 
ourselves and really make this beautiful connection with our vagina, our yoni, that we, we have to have a voice and say, hey, can you slow down? I'm, I'm, I'm exploring something here. Uh-huh. Would you explore this with me? Yeah. And because we lose our muscle tone because we can't grab it. Right. It's just there's too much friction, so we lose that connection right. vaginally. And so it's like, you know, just saying, hey, I'm, I'm kind of exploring something. I'm having an exploration. Yeah. Would you join me in this exploration? Yeah. Yeah. So it's about relationships. Yes, it's communication. And I think it's also about empowerment of women, of, of being able to find your voice. And I think sipping is one of the ways we find our voice, and hydration is one of the ways we find our voice because we find our integrity. And, well, I think with your feet, when you find the uh-huh. earth, yeah. you, you, you're like made this connection vaginally, yeah. you know, and it connects to your heart. Yeah. I think then that connects to the third eye, the pineal. And that's what we need to do is get all of those to connect so it's like, yes. Yeah, you show up and say, yes, yes, I'm here. I have something to say. Yes. You know, my vagina would like to talk to you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We want to have a conversation. My heart and my vagina. That's right. Both of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as we're coming to a close, I'm going to open it up for any questions. But is there any last things, tips you want to give to women about their... Their sexual health that you'd like to... I just think it's about embodiment. The more embodied we are, I think the stronger, the healthier we're going to be and stronger we're going to be emotionally and physically. And just exploring just new ways of getting into your body. And I think always, you know, finding something like one of your classes to go exploring. I mean, because I have found that I have to go somewhere to just dive into myself. Otherwise, we're so busy serving as women. Mm-hmm. And it's just how the culture has set it up. And so I really encourage you to one day a week, carve out some time for yourself for your own exploration. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. So, uh, ladies, we're going to open this up. Um, if you'd like to ask a question. Hello. Okay, so Hi. 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 Thank you so much for a wonderful um, chat. Good. So you're very welcome. Any any question you want to ask? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. So um, I am a 42-year-old woman. I am a yoga instructor, and um, I have had a hysterectomy. Um, so I don't have a uterus or a cervix. Um, unfortunately, I was not educated at the time on the importance of my cervix. Neither was my female doctor and said, you don't need it, go ahead and take it out. So um, my, I've recently been experiencing um, prolapse, and of course the doctors immediately want you to go in to have the hammock um, put in the the mesh hammock, and um, obviously I'm concerned about another surgical procedure. So I'm I'm wondering in your experience, um, is there a way that I could um, reverse the effects of the hysterectomy? I do practice my Kegel exercises. I do have a very strong pelvic floor, but despite that. 
things are coming down. So um, what has your, been your experience in, uh, you know, maybe so can reversing the Let us answer your question. I think getting to that next layer, because the kegels are the, just that, that superficial layer, but if you can get into that hammock and start lifting that hammock, and I think doing the abdominal massages to where you start lifting everything up yourself, and, and there's that space that's still there. I mean, the Mayans told me, you have, it's still there. The spirit is still there of that organ. So you go into your belly, your abdominal, lower abdomen, and start this really nurturing process of lifting everything up along with doing that second layer and lifting the hammock up. There's, a, um, there's also some resources on my website. I would listen to the podcast with uh, Christine Kent before you choose any surgery protocol. She's a woman who has specifically focused on prolapses and works with people who have had surgery and people who are avoiding surgery. And I think it should be a resource for knowing women who have had the surgery and the pros and cons of that experience. So I wish you the best of luck. I'd like to take another question now. Someone else would like to? Hi, um, Liz. Um, I have a question about tissue that is truly herniated, like rectocils and cystocils that can affect your ability to sip deeply. Well, we're not medical doctors. We're heading into medical analysis, and so I can't really, you know, it, a hernia. You're you're looking at a whole, you know, medical protocol for that. So I yeah. think we'll, at, one of the ways to look at anything that's going on is that tissue is tissue is tissue. Therefore, on a on a very um, ground level, on a very uh, not medical perspective, you know that hydration of tissue is very important. And what about is very important? Okay. So even okay. if it's so, stretched stretched out versus, um, you know, tightness and all, I guess is where I'm going. Yeah, resiliency is what you're looking for in tissue. And so working with the feet, working with the hands, there's a very simple method called melt method that is a good place to begin to hydrate connective tissue on your own or you can take a class. And so you can go on, a, on Google and look up M-E-L-T and that will give you some, some ways of just hydrating, not directly the herniated tissue, but your hands and feet that help the whole body. Anything you want to recommend on that? No, just think breathing vaginally, right? Mm -hmm. Just inhaling through her vagina and exhaling, and just so there's this loving connection with and rhythm. Rhythm, yeah, returning some rhythm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your question. Anyone else like to ask a question? Well, it sounds like maybe everybody's done. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm going to just close this before we stop and say thank you very much, everyone, for joining us and check out our uh, our upcoming workshop. I think it will be really fun, and this is a very special opportunity the two of us are taking to work together at Ovo Mineral Springs because one of the reasons I go there is the water heals. The water is amazingly healing and hydrating. It's like going into the mother's of two. It is. It is. <laughs> It is. 
and and working with what I call the fetal startle or the wave motion or the curl and the arc, like you said, is the rhythm of life. And so when we return to these rhythms and the oceanic movement of the water, magic happens. So I hope you'll join us, and thank you for joining us today. Blessings. Bye. Thank you.